Hello and welcome to the BTC pod. My name is Michael Castello and today we are going to be running through every NBA award except for MVP. So that's most improved player, rookie of the year, coach of the year, executive of the year, sixth man of the year, and defensive player of the year. If you want to hear about the MVP, me and Sean Bush did a 60-minute breakdown of 17 possible candidates on Monday, and you can find that at ballthings.com slash podcasts. Today, I am with Daryl Harris to run down everything else, the important awards. Yes, sir. Ski. What's up, man? Not much. I think now was the perfect time to do it. We've got 33 days until the play-in, and every team averages about 18 games remaining on the season. So 18 is exactly one-fourth of 72. So it's a three-quarter poll, and some clear trends have emerged. Indeed. Uh, I agree. You know, there's an MVP leaderboard starting week two, <laughs> but yeah. now things are, are crystallized a bit more, so I feel it's appropriate to dig into it and give our takes of who's going to take it all in the end. We'll probably, like you said, for the MVP pod, they list of 17, we'll, we'll list about 10 to 12 for each, and we'll probably get them all. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly, by volume. Right. Uh, so let's get into it. What award do you want to talk about first? I think it'd be a good idea to start with the most improved because it's in the definition inherently, but those are the players who have made a leap this season. So let, let's go ahead and give them some flowers off the top. Yeah, they, This is my favorite award. Like I say this all the time. I think it's the coolest award probably in the four major sports. I think every league needs to copy it. And yeah, it's a very valid award. Like somebody deserves that recognition. Emerging players like, doing their thing everything's coming together for them like that's exciting to see and it's the future of the league a lot of times too like Giannis one most improved player okay um what candidate you want to talk about first uh to lead off let's uh let's go back to the beginning of the year maybe uh some guys I got off to a strong start two come to mind Christian Wood and Jeremy Grant all right so Christian Wood the important thing to note with him is he probably can't win it because of games played, even though he was deserving. Before he got hurt, I believe February 4th, like the week of the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. he was the odds-on favorite. He had, like, negative odds. His minus, like, 200 or something in Vegas. I don't know what you call those. He was the favorite, though. Yeah. And he's putting up, like, a double-double with some good blocks and really efficient. Right now he's on 21.2, 9.6 boards, 1.3 blocks, low turnovers at 1.8, and he's shooting 53 and 38 from the field in three. But, Which is impressive on like four yeah. times. Yeah, so good volume. but Good to see. Good to see. Uh, yeah. His, his on-off splits damn near suggest he should be a most valuable player. <laughs> Dude, because they lost. He, he went off and they, what, dropped 20 straight? Yeah, I was just going to ask if you knew 20 or 21 in a row as soon as that February 4th injury. As soon as they traded James Harden, he became the Rockets' best player. And Good showing for he, him, though. He, yeah. In a short season last year in Detroit, he showed that he was ready to make a leap. Houston took a chance yeah. with him, thinking that he was yeah, going to be getting, next to Harden. That's not what happened, but yeah. hats off to him for uh, continuing that, that, that growth and showing yeah. that he will be a good player. Yeah, he's borderline, a young borderline all-star resume. He was upset about the snub, and I love seeing that kind of uh, edge to a player. Yeah, he wants the recognition, and MIP would have been recognition, but 
He's a comeback better. Same can be said and for uh, Jeremy Grant. Yeah. Okay, let's transition to him then. I have thought he was the favorite since the injury until to Kirsten Wood until very, very recently. I don't know if he's a favorite anymore, but he's still got a good chance. But people aren't talking about him anymore because his hot start ended, I guess. But he's still been hot, I think. No, I think uh, the people wanted to make jokes at the beginning, and they realized it's not a joke. He's uh, Yeah, it's stuck. He's doubled his field goal attempts. So maybe the counter argument is that any player in the NBA, you let them take twice as many shots, play but as many minutes, if not more. And then, of course, you're going to see some growth. But only left seven minutes. For reference, Christian Wood's playing over 10 more minutes. So mm. seven's like a good increase, but it's not crazy. And he's handled the number one role well, I think. Yeah, by comparison, his per 36 is still have to be much improved yeah exactly he's one of the best finishers in the league a plus defender on a terrible defense and his assist game gets better every single night another player who uh gambled on himself yeah he was dribbling chin high and now he's like a legit number one option because he's never had the volume before like i said about christian wood he's a young 26 and starting to become who he's been the whole time and a really good piece for Detroit. They got him at about yeah. twenty million a year on his I contract. Love Detroit's rebuild. And, and so far he's Troy uh, Weaver. Man, we'll get on this on another pod, but I want Detroit to get number one pick overall. That's that's yeah. what I'm rooting for. I want Cade to be in the East in general. Detroit yeah. might be my favorite landing spot besides obviously the Wizards. That was a that was a ter- terrific aside. We we will get back to that on a future pod. Okay. Um last thing to say about Jeremy Grant. He comes from a basketball family, and he comes from DeMatha High School, very storied in Prince George's County, Maryland. His father was snubbed for the 1991 Most Improved Player of the Year by, I mean, me. I don't know what the awards voting was like. They don't have that. But he went from 8.2 to 18.2 points between 89.90 and 90.91. Went from four rebounds to seven. Went from 1.6 assists to two. He doubled his steals, he shot better from the field, and he didn't win the award because of Scott Skiles. So, Jeremy Grant carrying the torch very well. That's a bit of trivia I didn't know. I, I knew he was nephew to Horace, but yeah, Jeremy Horace Grant, Grant. filling the legacy. Obviously a great player. But, yeah, Scott Skiles is cool, too. He's got the assists in a game record in the NBA. And we said it was 31 while he was on the Magic. Believe so. And he's also a former head coach, Chicago Bulls. So he's like an interesting footnote for somebody who's never been an all-star or anything like that. He's got parts in basketball history. Uh, who do you want to talk about next for most improved candidates? I was thinking... I'll let you, I'll let you take mentions. it with your guy. Okay. Yeah. So... It's those two guys and one more favorite, but most improved player is so broad because so many players improve, right? So my person of choice is DeJounte Murray. He was all defense in his second season playing 81 games. That was 2017-18 as a 21-year-old. He's one of the youngest all-defense selections ever. And right after that season ended, he played 81 games and then tore his right ACL. So he's been working his way back from that since. And this year he's mm-hmm. taking a big leap, going from just under 11 points to 16, 
from six rebounds to seven, from four assists to 5.2. He's getting a lot of steals. He looks so much more comfortable. He, DeMar DeRozan's probably their best player, but he's right there, and he's going to be there for a while. He's a true Spurs point guard, and I think the ceiling is the roof with him, and he's really, really coming around to his crazy potential. No, I'm super happy for him as well. I think in a low year, like, improvements like his could win it. So he's worth talking about. Yeah. The rebound numbers are really impressive. Yeah, for a the point guard. The shooting is impressive. He uh, contributes to their he's – a, he's a real Spursy player. He's evolving and definitely, like you said, surprise, surprise, they, they've got another one that they're probably going to add to their, to their yeah. tree of, of successful players. Yeah. But good for he him. reminds me of, like, a big Jean Morant. I uh I did a I did a fun a fun article with Talk That Talk where I made an all improved the all most improved team and for mm-hmm. point guard I almost went with Dejounte Murray but I had to go with De'Aaron Fox instead probably biased because he's on my fantasy team but nah, he's a hot he's the hottest player in the NBA right now right besides arguably, Steph Curry but like it's been a month versus a week yeah and unfortunately his teams tanking right now they've dropped yeah, not on purpose in a either row. but they were buyers at the deadline but they lose right and they maybe should have sold but yeah he's done his part to show that he's a leader on that team i think he's reached a point as a score that nobody really anticipated right now he's up to 25.2 on the season and that's thanks to a really strong last 30 days Multiple 40-point yeah. games, multiple 30-point games, and his distribution hasn't fallen off at all. Almost exactly where it was last year at seven assists per game with questionable, inconsistent surrounding talent, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I'm in love with this game. He has a gear that nobody can can handle once he gets going. And uh, his pull-up his pull up is, is there. His three-pointer is better. He's taking a lot of shots, so his assist, his efficiency isn't through the roof. But somebody's got to take shots, so yeah. I'm not going to fault him for that for being assertive and and taking that lead guard role because somebody's got to do it. But yeah. shout out to Darian Fox, a yeah, lot of growth is. this year. In his past 20 games, he's putting up 29, four, and seven with two steals on 50% shooting. So that inefficiency, like you said could be in the past like he's turning corners when he was already like a borderline star right i i love that pick yeah i think he's on the fringe of the first tier of point guards in the league which is saying yeah. something you can put about five or six yeah. guys in that first class and after you and point guards like you said like it's the deepest position yeah after you scratch off the all-stars i think his name is at the top tough being in the west Really quick, we're not going to get into him, but Jalen Brown had an impressive year. Yeah, players got he healthy would still be and his doing numbers. It. Yeah, fell off a little bit, but we know what he we know who he is. First time All Star. Yeah, that's he, the, the crowning achievement that you know for his season's growth. Okay, but so we gotta we'll we gotta to get the, to this guy, man. Yeah, we, the favorite odds on. I've been talking about him all year because so the other two favorites are Jeremy Grant and Christian Wood. And like we said, they've improved minutes-wise 7 and 10 more than last year. This guy's usage rate, Julius Randle, I'll just 
take the fun out of it. Jules. He's been exactly the same as last year. His minutes are up a little bit, but like I said, the usage is the same. And to me, that means he's just gotten better. And a lot of that's Tibbs, for sure. But Julius Randle has gotten four more points per game from 19 to 23. Gotten an extra rebound to go from 9.7 to 10.6. He's doubled his assists and only gotten 20% more turnovers, 17% more turnovers. So a 100% versus 17% increase is insane. He is shooting the exact same from the floor, and he's shooting 13% better from three, like 27 to 40.4, and he's up to 80% from the free throw line. And he's better on defense. Literally, I mean, what would you call it? It's insane how much better he's gotten. No, man. I, everything you said, I agree and echo. The, the assist, the playmaking, and the It came out of nowhere and it stuck. Together. You don't see a player connect the dots in two areas like that. Yeah. In, in one and season, defense. man. It's, it's really admirable. Yeah. No, he earned his first-time All-Star appearance. I, I believe he's fifth in the league in triple-doubles. That's, that's yeah. something that was like, not expected at all. That knew, playmaking is crazy. Yeah, we knew coming out of Kentucky from day one, we knew that he was a mobile big man. We knew he could bang. We knew he could get his yeah. own shot. We knew he could create. We knew he could ball handle a little bit. But he was a guy for maybe like three, four years that the scouting report was just send him to his offhand, wait yeah. for the counter spin, don't bite on the pump fake, let him shoot, and we're fine. He's going to get some yeah. numbers because he's a high-motor player. But he wasn't like somebody he was, he was going to get killed by, and he's literally killing yeah. teams this year. He was like a nice-ass player, like you're saying, but maybe there's a better word than flawed. He wasn't complete. You could do what you want, and his ceiling was very capped. Now he's an all-around star. Lo- like, low-key getting everything. to be so on both ends, yeah. I've so got I think this award has to be his. I want it to be his. The cases for the other guys are great, but... I mean, let's I talk about it. He's, he's got the Knicks almost yeah. a lock for the playoffs. Yeah. A place they the haven't been since team. 2013. Yeah. And I've got to share this quick antidote, and I'll try to make it brief. Um, mm-hmm. But it was from one of his recent games, uh, and the, the sideline reporter was sharing a story about how he attributes his growth and this growth to none other than the Mamba, Kobe Bryant. And I, I love seeing... I yeah. talked about this with Chuck on eight on a half court trap. One of the best parting gifts from Kobe Bryant's legacy is the Kobe chip. You see that in a lot of players right now, folks like Devin Booker, yes, folks like Shea, folks like Julius Randle. I can keep going. Jason Tatum, players yeah. who hold themselves to invisible, you know, chasing the Mamba bar, and they said they shared, she shared a story about how Julius said that Kobe told him, "This is your routine." got to lock it in you have no other choice if you want to be great any road game you have to hit the gym as soon as you land that's what you do do it every time it'll become your routine and they were playing in detroit i believe and uh they connected you know they're landing in the middle of the night but kobe said no matter what you get in the gym and that's what you do you'll you'll see the results and the local high school somebody got the gym open for him he got in there, got his work in, and the guy who opened the gym for him was like, hey, man, this is uh, cool to see. Guys don't do this anymore. 
you know the last person who was in this gym before like fresh off of a flight but a day before they even played a game you guessed it Kobe yeah so I'm happy for him we saw Ingram yes. win the award last year and you know that a lot of players Kyrie are are playing this entire season knowing that they kind of want to live up to the influence that Kobe had on them so it's cool to see for Julius Randle pass off man he's killing it and yeah. we'll see how they how they fare in the playoffs but this award in my opinion is definitely his for the taking yeah like he's the consummate most improved player and we'll leave it at that but like I was about to ask about his offseason how could he have gotten so much better and I think you explained it man yeah that, that kind of gives a nice insight into what he's been doing in his spare time Okay, anybody else for most improved player worth talking about? Yeah, man, uh, really quick. Nikola Jokic, man. Uh, of course he's the MVP frontrunner right now. Yo, that's a that's a really good one. Wait. But I revisited his averages last year, like, and I was shocked that they were so... There's a lot there. So pedestrian by the new standard that he set this year. He averaged 19, mm-hmm. 8, 19, 9, and 7 last year. And this year he's up to 26... Almost 11 boards and nine and almost nine assists, man. On yeah. 55, 45, 85 shooting splits, averaging career best in steals. He's top 10 in the league in steals, and he hasn't missed a free 11th game. in deflections. Yeah, dude. Like to run it real quick, his career highs this season are in points, rebounds, assists, steals, field goal percentage, three point percentage, free throw percentage deflections and he's got the exact same turnovers as last year yeah literally across the board it's that's insane like there's that's every single stat if you're looking at the box score and if there was a precedent you you hit it right at the beginning it was Giannis Giannis won in 2016-17 he's made the all-star team every year since two years later he was an MVP maybe three years later um and that's kind of the the precedent for a player who's a first-tier star, but also made the biggest improvement, arguably, in the season. So shout-out yeah. to Joker. He's ridiculous. Career low in fouls, too, besides his rookie year where he did not play that much. Yeah, he got his body right, and it's, it's made a difference. He he should get votes, dude. MVP and MIP for some of whatever happened in the same year. Yeah, let's let's lay that to rest, yeah. man. Julius Randle. Let's talk about rookie of the likely. year next. Going to win that. Let's do it. Rookie rookie of the year is a three-headed monster. I think LaMelo Ball is the front runner. He was putting up 16 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists on 45% shooting, and he kind of looked like Charlotte's best player. I mean, we know it's Gordon Hayward, but he had the higher ceiling, obviously. So some nights he would do the craziest things of any player. But I don't think he's youngest, played enough youngest games. Youngest player to post a triple-double this year. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he'll end up winning it, even if he easily would have had he played. Because yeah, 41 games is not it's much. roughly, what, 50% of, of almost 50%, maybe a little bit more yeah, than what the like season 36, has. Per, 36 would be half, so that's not much. That's less than 50 in a full season still. Before I do this, also, it would be easier to say that he still deserves the award if Anthony Edwards 
wasn't averaging about 20 points per game now, which isn't what was expected, yeah, at least from me coming into the year. He's climbing. He's been red hot. I thought we won't get into the draft, but he was the number one pick because he was the highest ceiling. He was the number one like prospect on almost every board because he had the number one ceiling. And he's shown a lot of it. He's still not shooting 40%, 39.8, so he'll get there by the end of the season. And I think that's a huge um, arbitrary number. Like, if he shoots 40%, his case looks so much better. He's yeah. putting up 18.1, 4.4 boards, 2.6 assists, 1.1 steals. And like I said, 40, 31.6, 79 shooting. So yeah. Yeah, if you're pretty Minnesota- poor, but a lot of that's in the front of the year. Yeah, definitely it was. He got he got out really slow, and then pretty almost ever since he destroyed Wananabe, he's uh yeah he's been Honestly. making a statement. But yeah, worth noting in March he put up the fifth highest field goal attempts in the league. <laughs> I'm fine with it. I know if you're Minnesota, worst team in the league, you better not, let yeah, him shoot. That's it. not a winning formula. <laughs> But what are you playing? What are you playing for? Yeah, you at least get to see what he's capable of, and you get to kind of map out what his trajectory is as a player better because you're seeing the full extent of his uh, capabilities. But yeah. let's let's do this. Remember Rick Joel Embiid's long-awaited rookie season? Yeah, he played. Two, he for he missed his first two seasons. Yeah. So if Ben Simmons was like a super sophomore, like. Embiid was a junior. Right. So LaMelo Ball's case isn't the Joel Embiid scenario. Because yeah, Joel Embiid was runner-up, and he played 31 out of 82 games. Yeah, that year, he didn't debut until about Christmas. This was a regular NBA season. And then he played about 31 games. He played 31 games exactly for the entire season. That's less than 50%. And But he clearly had the best numbers of any rookie that year and ultimately the award went to Malcolm Brogdon who averaged 10 points five four assists and some very pedestrian numbers 2.8 yeah but because on him for contributing to a playoff team that year and he was a good player but when we look in retrospect it always be an asterisk because it's like oh wait a minute he wasn't the best rookie that year yeah it was actually Joel but it and Anthony Edwards is way better than Brogdon but right you're right that it's a similar thing. Like, but what's different Embi- with Lamelo? Embiid is... was putting up twenty-eight and two with two and a half blocks. Like, his career high in blocks and steals is still his rookie year. He was a menace. He did it in twenty-five minutes. Yeah, they, they unleashed him when he was ready, and uh, yeah. so far he's been able to show what he that that that's the guy he is. But what's different with Lamelo is he was in every game up until he got hurt. I believe yeah. in a couple of years now, when we look back on this pandemic-shortened season, we'll remember the long list of players who were out because of injury. Whether there yeah. haven't been that many season-ending catastrophic injuries, but there's been many injuries where teams have just opted to go the safe route, and maybe they've lingered, maybe they didn't get a long enough rest during the offseason, but... This year will go down as a year where a pl- where the fatigue caught up to players pretty severely. And yeah. if that's the case, LaMelo playing about 50% of the games and turning a team that nobody expected to be a playoff team 
into a playoff team as the point guard past the eye test with flying colors I believe that he might still lay claim to this rookie of the year award yeah just because in retrospect we I'd rather get it right and give it to the best rookie versus over contextualize the award because of how the year went and give it to a guy who's playing on the worst team in the league yeah that's not his fault the rest of the team but I agree I think Ant's better than Brogdon so we'll see what happens yeah other than that, it's uh, Slim Pickens. Yeah. yeah, Tyrese good. Halliburton's got not really a shot, but he's the next person you mentioned. And I think Emmanuel quickly is really fun, but he's only put up like 12 because of a limited role. So we won't talk too much about either of them. Yeah, and it's bleak after that. I do yeah. like this rookie class. I think in a couple yeah. of years, a lot of these guys will be. Great rookie class. Yeah, big rotation but, players. Yeah. But in a year where it was so tough to get acclimated, man, it, it unless yeah. you were like somebody like Ant, Wiseman was given the opportunity. He didn't really capitalize on it. Unless you were given that yeah. starter's role where you got the time to show what you can do, it was tough to earn that that, that PT yeah. this year for a rookie. Okay, so next let's roll with Coach of the Year. I think an underrated Ooh. award and one that they get wrong a lot. So agree, there's a lot man. of names. There's a lot of names for Coach of the Year. I don't like the Vegas odds. The Vegas odds have Quinn Snyder first, which I think is boring. I think his team, we talked about this earlier, every single every single Jazz player from last season is back this season, except for Grayson Allen, and they got Derek Favors, who wasn't on the team last year, but had been on the team the year before. Yeah, lifelong jazz missed one. Yeah, he missed one year in New Orleans. So it's hard for me. Like, they were already good, and they had a great, like, bubble and great playoffs. They were Mike Conley right. three-pointer away from making the second round. Right. And they, it's maybe less they of a Quinn Snyder job as it is, oh, yeah. we actually had the highest roster turnover. Yeah, like, in the shortest yeah. offseason ever, surprise, exactly. surprise, we're, we're really good. And Mike Conley like coach of the year and lazy who he years was supposed to be, but we're talking about more about Mike Conley in a little bit. Goes to the best, like, team. Like, Mike Budenholzer won it without doing too much special when the Bucks took the one seed with 66 wins in 2018-19. Right. Um, I kind of feel the same way about Monty Williams, the Sunset coach. They're, like, the second-best record, but... They haven't had adversity to deal with, and they're pretty much the same roster except for Jay Crowder and Chris Paul, who are unbelievably good vets, mm-hmm. like two of the best vets in the league. So, and they're not—they are overperforming, but we thought of them as a playoff team. Honestly, I think I did as well as soon as they got Chris Paul. I think my favorite would probably be Doc Rivers. There's a couple other good names. I'll let you get in on it too, but Doc Rivers has Philly as the one seed, and we saw them as, like, a five. Like, they were terrible last year relative to expectations. The they flamed Al out Horford, poorly in the Josh Richardson, yeah, like, being super giant didn't work, and they lost in the first round because they were not at full health, and they looked ugly. They had a terrible bubble. Like, people were really, really low on them. They didn't know if Doc could save it, and yeah. Doc's taking them to the one seed last after year, losing his job in L.A., yeah. like, People yeah. thought it was his fault, 
and I don't think it was. But, yeah, he's in his first year in Philly taking this team to the one seed with only 33 games from Embiid. Yeah, so last year the Sixers, right now. the Sixers were the bully who had no right to be bullying. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they just were yeah, I mean, they were just big. They, they, like, they, literally their chest big. Was, their chest was big, but they were kind of soft at the end of the day. They didn't have any team toughness to withstand some adversity, and you saw how they how their season ended. This year, they've got the same stars. They've yeah. got the same general yeah, team. They, the surrounding pieces have, have changed, and they're they much added more cohesive. Seth Curry unit. and Danny Green were their yeah, acquisitions. Pretty much. Like, the big things were – getting Josh Richardson and Al Horford replaced for scheme fits. Right. Um, but who's your coach of the year? Uh, I agree, man. I, I'm almost with you there on Doc because I don't have a clear favorite either. I okay. like what the Clippers are doing. I wouldn't give it to Ty Lue. Um, if yeah. the Lakers had stayed in it, I would be campaigning for Vogel, but he doesn't have a case anymore. Mm-hmm. And that leaves me, like I said, I agree with you on Doc. But that leaves me with no other option than to bring up Steve Nash. Yeah, I mean, talent should not disqualify you. I think that'd be lazy if it did. I think Nash has a case. I, man, I agree with you so much. I give so much credit to Eric Spolstra for for getting a good grip on those Heat teams. I give credit for, for, to Frank Vogel last year for making yeah. the rotation changes that were necessary when they needed. Ty Lue in Cleveland replacing Blatt. 100%. It's not easy to get the job done just because you have high-caliber players. Now, what makes this one even more special is it's almost as if Steve Nash is coaching a high school squad and they're getting ready for the season. They just got one of their players back from foot, from the football team. They called up a <laughs> yeah. big dude. They called up a big big lanky freshman from junior varsity they got a transfer who has to sit out until conference and he's making it all work and it's like night in night out him and his coaching staff is like at the local bar and they're like yo this guy's really coming along like yeah hmm, what what would happen if we put him here or yeah like or we see he's not ready let him let him sit for a little bit. We'll just go with these guys right now. That's fine. We'll see what they we'll see what they can do. We'll be in the we playoffs. We see Bruce Brown like getting better every single night, and he was. I mean, I don't think he was a nobody. I thought when the trade happened that Detroit was foolish because he's a great player, but Bruce Brown has really emerged, and you can see him getting better every single night. Joe Harris has taken a huge step. They lost all their depth on the fly, and they didn't miss a beat. They're still like right there in the Eastern Conference. This it's... is a really fun stat that I wish I had looked up prior to the pot, but I'd love to see how many players have played for the Brooklyn Nets this season. It's got to be over 20. Oh, definitely. And definitely. The the Just the job at, you know, being the, the puppeteer of that squad that, that Nash has done in his first year as a head coach is impressive. They have the best record in the East. And I know they have the most loaded roster, but that roster has not been available night in and yeah. out. James Harden has played just 10 games with KD, but he's still 27-7 and seven as a net, which would make them the one seed. Like, there have been zero growing pains, and they acquired a player who is top five, I could say top two, and 
there's mm. a real case for that. And they hit the ground with no problems. Yeah. No, it's That's, impressive. It's impressive. Yeah. I wanted I mean, to shout out Dan Tony this too. year. I really did, but um, I'm becoming a fan of just <laughs> what's happening because it's so freaking rare. All right, I got the number. 26 players have played for the Nets this year. That's, I mean, 12 is a roster, so that's more than double. You could fill an NBA team with NBA-level players. Like, how do you do that? His, of his... guys who have been a net and aren't a net. I mean, and they're in the driver's seat of the Eastern Conference, and they haven't been healthy at all. Right? At like all. Kyrie, Harden, and KD have missed time to injuries, and they didn't even have Harden to start the year. He played eight games in Houston. And on that on that note, just while we're here, because it's kind of breaking news today. Uh, best wishes go out to LaMarcus Aldridge. Yeah. That's, I mean, more than anything, I wish for his health. Like, he probably would have gotten the ring. I think if they win, he still gets the ring, and he deserves the ring. Mm-hmm. And you know he wants to be with his guys and winning games. That's, yeah. yeah no, his, uh, his, his message was, uh, was pretty heartfelt. If you didn't hear, he yeah. had to retire today unexpectedly because of an irregular heartbeat. And... In his message, he thanked the city of Portland. He thanked San Antonio for letting him become a part of that legacy, and he thanked Brooklyn for saying there was a there were a group of guys that wanted me for me and to me to come in and do what I do, and I really appreciated that. So that's kind of good to see yeah. that that's how he saw it from his perspective. And hey, Brooklyn, if you want, they like what they got going on, and they definitely have some swagger. KD's got mm-hmm. clapbacks for everybody and their mom. Um, <laughs> and Steve Nash, yeah. man, who would have thought? Who would have thought that uh, he'd be at the forefront of this unicorn team? Yeah. I think I'm excited to unpack Aldridge's career in the coming days. He is a Hall of Famer. He's had so much fun in his career and been a joy. So are we, uh, uh, are, we are we locking in Doc Rivers? I think he's my favorite, and it sounds like he's your favorite. I will shout out Tibbs. I think Taylor yeah. Jenkins and James Borrego have chances yeah. if Memphis and Charlotte finish in the top five-ish. Taylor Jenkins is like really tough. That's actually yeah. Grizzlies have had no health, and obviously Charlotte has no health right now. Right. And lastly, Nate McMillan, the yeah. Hawks won project. what eight in a row. I don't think an interim coach has ever won it. I don't think an interim coach yeah, could they, they, win they it. They flipped the script immediately once he took yeah. over. But and they haven't Nate McMillan has, yeah. He turned a below 500 team to 16-5 and five so far. Yeah, and let's see how many games the Hawks have left. 17. So 21-5 and five, and then 17. That's like 30 wins in... 38 games like it's something crazy if he keeps that pace up a little bit under but sheesh that would make him coach of the year uh, no doubt over a full season so he's worth talking about i don't know if a uh, replacement head coach has ever won the award no chance unless it was like really early and they still coached like 80 right but this season it's it's Uh, like no season before yeah i mean luke walton was like what 39 and one for the warriors (laughs) when steve kerr had back surgery that's right. All right. We're, we're getting off track. Let's move to the most underrated award in sports, which, of course, is executive of the year. Oh, yeah. That's 
<laughs> I won't. I won't play like it's the most boring. We don't have to unpack it too much, even though honestly, you really can. Um, no, you definitely can. I don't know who my favorite is. Executive of the Year is a weird award. It usually goes to the team that made like the best moves, but sometimes it's like the best single off season or the best trade. So like trading for James Harden would be a really good one, or Daryl Morey turning Philly's roster all the way around would be a really good one because those happen in one year. But I also see cases for Phoenix's James Jones because in the past year and a half, two years that he's been there, like two seasons, he has turned them all the way around into not only a winning team but a winning culture. They're clearly here to stay. They're clearly so young that does that count even though it's been more than one year, like to be the 2021 exec? I think the, I think the exec year, the exec award usually goes to somebody who uh... – I would ex- like I would extend the the statute of limitations to maybe two years because bringing yeah. in Cam Johnson, Michael Bridges last year in the draft, yeah, grooming those players, bringing in Chris Paul and Jay Crowder this year, huge, yeah. You saw yeah, the way that Sarge. team fought in the bubble. It's a that's a nice that's a nice turnaround project for James Jones for sure. Yeah, especially being a first time GM, and he's only forty now. Like he took the job in his thirties. Um. So, yeah, I don't think anybody really knows how they'll judge it. I don't know if they release voting for that award. But Brooklyn and Philly, similar to their coaching things, like they've been successes like crazy. So, And they've done it in one-year turnaround. So I think those are the two favorites. Charlotte, Mitch Kupchak has been doing some nice things, and they've gone way above expectations. If they stay that way, similar to how I said Borrego had a Coach of the Year case, I think he's got a shot. And yes, Portland because, made uh, some nice moves. A year later, a couple of years later, the Rozier signing is paid off. Yeah, and Gordon so Hayward. Has the Gordon like, Hayward everybody signing. thought they overpaid. It's just like, you're going to give Buck 20 to Gordon Hayward? And it's like, yes. And, and the LaMelo ball been worth it. has been a home yeah. run. Yeah. And Portland. Portland has picked up or traded for some several nice French players. The Norm Powell trade, Gary Trent's been great, but Norm Powell's been just as good and helped Portland more. Derek Jones Jr. has been something sometimes. Robert Covington was a pickup as well. That's He's got minor defensive player noise. I don't think he's that good, but he's a great defender, and he's helped them a lot. And if they stay successful and they stay in the top five-ish as well, like similar to Taylor Jenkins and Borrego and Mitch Kupchak, there's a month left, but they're in it, and they just need some good breaks. Yeah. No, they uh, the surrounding moves, the surrounding moves in Portland have definitely played them in a better, better yeah. position. But now I've got I've got one for you, bro. Okay. This is who I think deserves it. It's uh, president, of basketball operations, for the New York Knicks, Leon Rose. You think? I mean, hiring Tibbs is an exec move, right? Definitely like, is. It's a front GM, office like, move. It's a okay. culture move. Um, like, we talked about Julius Randle. He's gotten a lot better, but everybody, like, RJ's gotten better. Everybody's gotten better under Tibbs. The energy in the building has has did a 180 from where it was maybe yeah. two years ago. And I think that maybe this isn't to Leon Rose's credit, but you can even go back to the Porzingis trade and see that that's where their good fortune started to come back around. They've got even, even with DSJ not on the team anymore. You're kind of right, right? Because they added draft capital, 
and they have all of their own first round picks for the next five years. I, I'm a fan of that when you don't give away your draft capital because that's one of the only bargaining chips the teams have outside of their roster. So yeah, they've got a strong roster to build upon now. Their players are coming along. They're buying in. They're all very young still. You got Mitchell Robinson, early 20s. R.J. Barrett. You got Emmanuel Quickly. You got Julius Randle. All these guys are still in their 20s, still younger. And and every every vet works out for them. Like, it's hard to find playing time for some of their guys. Right. Like Reggie Bullock, Derrick Rose, Alec Burks. Alec Burks has been incredible. Yeah, we talked about like, Quickly not being in the Rookie of the Year campaign. It's because they have 15 guys who could be yeah, a rotation player. Yeah, it's hard for them to get playing York. time. Yeah. Nerlens exactly. Noel Derek has taken Rose. over since Robinson went down for the year. Yeah, like John Henson has played 40 games for them and counting. Like there, there are no minutes available to give Kevin Knox anymore. Or, or like Har- Neela yeah. Keen is not bad. He's not a yeah. scorer, but he's a rotation player. Yeah. Obi was a top 10 Ooh, pick this year. Obi top Yeah, I can't really and get into Obi. We'll get into that. But there's that's time. a lot. But like, there's time and yeah. you never know. I don't think he's a bust, but he yeah. can't do it now. There's other people have to play. What like I, Taj what Gibson, I, what I would dude. Say Taj is, Gibson's uh, still putting in work. I would have I would have handed this award to him myself if they uh, tried to package Obi Toppin at the deadline. I think they could have got a lot for him at the trade deadline, and I, brought in I'd, a real piece and been better. I think we knew what his but ceiling was on draft night, so I don't think that he can't reach it still. I think yeah. he's gonna have a big jump next year when the roster clears up. Yeah, I'll, I'll eat crap on that. I thought he could have averaged like 15 a game this year. Yeah, he was one of the highest floor players because of how old yeah. he was. But okay, it, with the emergence of Randall, there, there's no way that he fits into just yeah. the geometry of that team anymore. As and you as can't be mad they, at they Randall becoming great. Yeah, right. So I just uh, okay. I think he's kind of deserving based off the totality of their uh, turnaround. It's, yes, it's, no, it's really, started, their roster from the top down has not gotten sexier, but they've gotten better everywhere. Right. And they're in a good, but they're in a good place for years to come. They're going to have yeah. the second high, the second most cap space next summer as well. So now yeah. I applaud them actually for maybe holding win the off next year award then. on reaching for the big one. You know, they were like, "Oh, trade for Drummond. Yeah. Oh, trade for X, Y, and Z," and they haven't. Yeah, they, they've trusted their guys and they're coming along. They got all the draft picks. They got all the money to spend in the summer. This they're is looking patient. like an attractive destination for the next couple of years. All right. You ready for six-man? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so let's start six-man with some interesting notes that are kind of less pertinent for other awards. Six-mans, we know a lot about it, whereas I was talking about coach of the year is a lot of bad picks, exec of the year, we don't really know the criteria. Of 38 six-man of the year winners, 36 of them have made the playoffs, so you know they have to be on a good team. 14 of the last 15 winners before Montrez Harrell last year were shooting guards. Not just guards, but shooting guards specifically, 14 out of 15. That's... And Montrez Harrell last year was only one of two players to ever win it as a center. Bill Walton did it in the fourth year of six-man existence. No, that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty, it's a pretty shocking stat. <laughs> yeah, no, all three of those are crazy to me. Like, 36 for 38, 14 for 15, and two out of 
38. Yeah, there's no award in the NBA, at least, that has as much of a type as a six-man. Yeah. They, they want so, the scoring guard off the bench. And yeah, if you're so the naturally, playoffs, there you go. Naturally, we are not going to get a shooting guard winner this year. We're probably – Jordan Clarkson is minus 670, which if y'all don't know how Vegas odds work, that means you have to bet $670 to win 100. He is a runaway favorite. You don't classify talk, him as a shooting guard? I think he's a point guard. I have thought about him as a point guard always, so he might be a shooting guard. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking Positions on that is, team, and maybe he does yeah. slide in as their backup point. But you know you know, JC's coming in to put, that ball, put the ball up. Yeah. Point guard is, or I'm sorry, positions in general is a stupid thing I think to argue about because yeah. it doesn't really matter. I mean, yeah, Clarkson's putting up 17.2, 3.9 rebounds, and 2.2 assists. But he's like, six man is basically the most points per game off the bench every single year. Clarkson's had that. He's had narrative. He leads the league in free throw percentage at 95.5%. Jesus. If you do it down to per game, he's 1.7 per 1.7. Like, that's how little he misses. The rounding isn't even to a Yeah, but on that same team, uh, Joe Ingles is yeah. almost as necessary to their success. Yeah, he plays wing, which is the most important position. He plays some nice defense. He can play make. He's probably averaging more assists. What? Who's Jordan Clarkson's competition? Uh, I think Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero is very, very low, if at all, in any odds, sports books. But he sneakily has not been starting games as much as you would think for somebody that good. He's got 14 starts in 44 games. No, yeah, the Heat, the heat opts for Duncan Robinson and, and yeah. Dragic usually at their backcourt. If not Dragic, they sense, go with none. Hero can do a lot of different things. He's very versatile for their bench unit. Yeah. So Clarkson's putting up 17-4-2. Hero's putting up 15-5-3.4. And, and he's shooting... A hair better from the field and a little bit worse from three. Oh, you've made it. Fourteen percent worse from free throw. Yeah, I mean, the turnovers are kind of similar and the minutes are kind of similar. Like, I think Hero's a better player. I don't think that's too bold, and he does a lot more. And he plays shooting guard, but he doesn't have momentum. Combo, (laughs) yeah, combo guard. You you need momentum a lot, but yeah, fourteen starts is not too many to DQ him. And he's healthy, so he should keep playing, like, a good amount. And I don't see why the Heat would screw with starting him now when they're in a really good spot. I think he's the biggest competition, but... No, if we were looking at this objectively, I'd have to make a strong consideration for Tyler Hero. And I think that's because Utah's team success is just so prevalent within the, within their roster. You, you can't even yeah, I mean you can't even decide who's the MVP on their team. Yeah. So no, we don't know who the best player is. Yeah. Honey, so yeah. Honestly. I mean. Sh- so I mean. Shout out kinda, to Quinn Snyder. There's the a dude we just trashed yeah. for of the year. <laughs> <laughs> no, Got there's a definitely by committee approach in Utah. So I feel like Clarkson fits right into that. And I'm just kind of yeah. trying to go against the grain and not give it to him. But Hero's got a good case. Hero's got a good Hero, case. He really does. He's I love Hero. I think we're past the point where Heat fans say they'd rather have him than trade for James Harden. We know what Hero is, but I'm still really high on him. I think he's awesome. 
What about your boy Shake Milton? Shake Milton, I'm going to start the campaign right here today officially that defense matters for six men of the year. Shake Milton comes off of Philly's bench. He is a combo guard mostly because he can't be a lead guard, but his numbers are pretty solid. We talked about 17 and 15.4 points per game for Clarkson Hero. He's putting up 13.7, which isn't bad. 2.3 boards, 3 assists, which is more than Clarkson. He's shooting 45.6, 33 from 3, 86 from free throw. So like, raw numbers are really good. And defensively, he's one of the best bench players in the league. He has the best defensive rating of any Sixers player, a team that is 6th or 7th in defensive rating. He improves them the most, and he's 18th in defensive win shares despite like being a bench guy. And that's interesting so because he can't, I... He can't win it, but defense, man, that's something. Like He helps them yeah, win games. I naturally attribute Shake Milton as Philly's scoring punch off the bench. So the fact that yeah. his defensive statistics are so proficient, He's, got a He's one of the case. most underrated players. Like Tyrese Maxey started off crazy. He had that 40-point game in the first week or two because other players weren't playing. But the reason we haven't heard about Tyrese Maxey is because Shake Milton's too good. Shake Milton will not lose his minutes because he shouldn't. And Doc no, he's Rivers knows he's that he's – Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, Tyrese Maxey's awesome. And, but... again, Utah, best record in the West. Philly's got the yeah. best record in the East. Let's look at their yeah. lead guard off the bench if that's what we're doing. Exactly. I would rather have Shake Milton on basically any team over Clarkson. So, show him some love, voters. We won't switch to defense in one year. It'll take a while if that narrative ever starts. But we just we just Shake don't Milton, want a herd mentality. I think objectively, when it comes yeah. to awards, we don't voters. want thirty six out of thirty eight or fourteen out of fifteen. You know, when when in actuality the race is this close. Yeah, there's other candidates. Even when the favorites minus six seventy, it's close. Time for a defensive player? Yeah. Okay, so defensive player is the meatiest of these awards, so we left it for last. There's a lot of good candidates, I think. How do you want to go about parsing them out? Should we talk about favorites first? Let's, uh, yeah, let, let's get right into okay. it. We know that Rudy is Rudy Gobert's the, favorite. the odds on favorite. He's won the award, what, five Simmons. times already? No, I think two. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, he, I think he won two back-to-back, and then Giannis took it last year. Yeah, yeah. And you ha- and we have Ben Simmons, who is the the dark horse, but maybe in, in both of our eyes, we, we opt for Ben Simmons. And to me, it's simple. I, I don't know. You don't, you're, on the, you're on the fence? So, I'll... I'll say it now, I guess, because you want to start with it. Philosophically, I think big man defense is the most important. Rudy Gobert defends more shots than anybody in the NBA. Like, that's a stat. Mm -hmm. By more than one and a lot more than Ben Simmons does because he plays center, right? He's near the rim where everybody's trying to take the shots. So even if Ben Simmons can lock down, say, the other team's LeBron or somebody, or Kawhi was winning defensive player, Gobert's going to take away more points from the other team because of volume and because of like his position. And the, posi- and and the possession isn't over until you get a rebound. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And if he sucked, like 
matters even more because he's protecting the rim. So if Ben Simmons sucks, there's still a center to bail him out. There's still help. When your center, the defense matters most for them. So you need them to be the best. Like if you can have one best defender, you always pick center of your five guys. So that's my case for Gobert, I think. Perimeter players have won it and do deserve it a lot, but I don't think this year. So the case for Ben Simmons is kind is of... Is if you don't think that. Yeah. If you it, think it, perimeter it, players do a lot. It's kind, of, really the, do. It's kind of the Draymond Green case, year. though. It, it, yeah. It's his versatility. I don't... I'm hard-pressed to think of another player that's a legit 6'10", and can guard a point guard. He's the most position versatile player in the NBA. If you do, like, by numbers, percent of time guarding each position, Ben Simmons is the most spread out. Like, it's not 20% for each five positions, but it's the most versatile of any single player in the NBA. Yeah, and, and I hate... So you're right, he's second to none. And I hate the accounts that, that want to jump on Ben Simmons whenever... He takes on the best matchup. Last night, Kyrie was off the off the charts. He was just an alien last night. He was tearing up Thibel, tearing up Ben, yeah. finishing over Embiid. He couldn't stop him. And people want to say, oh, this is your defensive player of the year? And it's like, <laughs> man, all right, look. When you take the best assignment every game, you're going to get cooked sometimes. That's the art of playing defense. Yeah. You take some. Like if I guard you, LeBron 82 times, like not me personally, but like if you guard LeBron 82 times, guess what? He's averaging like high 20s his whole career on 50% And if you want to talk shooting. about that. He gets his. Best players get theirs. Right. Do we remember what Nikola Jokic did to, does to Rudy Gobert routinely? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not just <laughs> once in a while. Yeah. Yes, Rudy Gobert does get blended, and I don't think that's a case against him necessarily, but it doesn't help him. Joel Embiid puts up numbers against him. Cat puts up numbers against him. Like you said, Jokic, AD does too. So yeah, let's. Uh, it's. I, I yeah. heard. I heard a, a couple. Analysts, nobody is. They, they nobody is jokes. safe. They call from the talent in the NBA. They called Rudy the help defensive player of the year. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I was just thinking that. And I mean like, that's that's kind of a slight, totally different. but let's assess how we you know break down this, yeah. this the roles. I give a lot yeah, of credit like I, to Ben for one night guarding Damian Lillard, next night guarding LeBron James, next da- next game guarding James Harden, like yeah, and doing so impressively, like. It's just rare. It's versatile. We haven't had a defender like this in the league in recent memory. I mean, LeBron's kind of like it, but LeBron yeah. doesn't really – like Ben, he doesn't carry the offensive burden. He carries the burden of just trying to make his team win. He 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 try, He almost plays like without putting pressure on himself to score. So LeBron, yeah. opposite. You know he's going to run the offense. He's trying to spare Same his energy last on year. defense when he can't. Yeah, I can't get into that Giannis one. It still doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, no, I agree we shouldn't unpack it, but yeah. like he's in a different role than a Giannis yeah, or a yeah, LeBron. It's, it's different. Or even a Kawhi. He's not a help defender. He's not in the conversation because he averages the most steals or the most blocks. It's the eye test. Even though he's good at those. Who's yeah. defending the best player and doing so at a high level? And 
you know, if it's me, I have a lot of respect for Ben Simmons doing that. I mean, okay, so Capella's those are the maybe, big, yeah. the big two. Let's get to other people. I think, like we said, Gobert's the odds on favorite. Simmons has a good amount of narrative and good amount of chance. It's philosophical, like I said. Yeah. Either you feel the way about big man defense as I outlined, or you don't. And I don't know what voters think. I don't know what anybody else thinks. Yeah. I think another person, I'll stay on big men, who really deserves consideration is Clint Capella. Clint Capella improves the Atlanta Hawks defense from 19th in defensive rating to 3rd, playing 30 minutes. So without him in 18 minutes, they go from 3rd to so bad that it drags their hold rating down to 19th. So that's yeah, that, that not, is not a great. Roster. He's not working with really anything. <laughs> 4.7-point yeah. improvement's crazy. He's third in blocks. Nice raw stat. He's 30th in defensive win, share, win shares, despite that horrible defense. Of 173 qualifying players for defensive win shares, the next best Hawks are 76th and 92nd. And it's Bogdan Bogdanovich and Danilo Gallinari, two horrible defenders who haven't played very many games and are horrible yeah. on defense. But Hunter has now for a chunk of season. Yeah. Yeah, so DeAndre Hunter, like their maybe best defender elsewise, or Chris Dunn, they don't qualify. Um, Cam Reddish doesn't qualify. So after those guys, John Collins is 103 out of 173, and he sucks at defense too. His number is carried, I think, a lot by playing next to Clint Capella. He, he, does, he does suck at defense. Yeah, he's a power forward who has no power inside. Like He gets beat on the perimeter, and he can't defend the rim very well. Yeah, hopefully Capella finishes on that ballot because again, like yeah. I was saying, doesn't end until you get a re- the possession doesn't end until you get the rebound. Yeah. And exactly. him and, and Gobert's on another level when it comes to the defense. He's putting up crazy rebound. rebound numbers. Yeah. And Trey Young as and is, Kevin as Herter. is your boy JV in Memphis. Yeah. Dude, I love JV. He doesn't belong on any of these awards pods, unfortunately. Yeah. But if most underrated player was an award, I'd give him his whole segment. But if we um, talk about Gobert. You can't not talk about Conley, too. Yeah. I think you talked about it. Is Conley has amazing numbers, but he plays with Gobert a lot, so we don't know how much is real. Mm-hmm. But Conley leads the NBA in defensive rating by, like, two and a half points. Like, a crazy amount. And defensive win shares, he's first as well. And Very second impressive. in those stats is your boy. I'll let you take the floor on the king. So, yeah, I was definitely – this is part of my LeBron for MVP case that I can't make anymore. Yeah. but Too bad. I, it's been upsetting. I right. think he could have definitely won number five. Having uh, – I know, man. And having this Lakers squad, which was without Anthony Davis from – they only had him essentially for eight weeks. And he goes down. And either way, they're still just a tough defensive team. And that started with LeBron. Everybody gave him crap for his last couple of years in Cleveland when he would just stand <laughs> and help side. And deservedly so. He, he stopped trying at times just because he knew what he was playing for. He was playing for the postseason. And he didn't have to exert that much energy. Right now, with this team, we see what the Lakers roster is without AD and LeBron. And it's not that sexy to put it lightly. And he had this team performing still at the top of the conference. 
And that's in large part because of their defensive efficiency. When he's on the court, he engages everybody else around him. This is sort of the Jimmy Butler effect. When we talk about the yeah. best defender in the league. Like my, how can you my, see a guy like that doing that much and not try and catch up? Yeah. Like if LeBron what am I too good for if LeBron's out here, right? And you see it when he switches on to any player. He's the most under control. He is he's become a great charge taker. That's infectious as well with it with throughout the rest of the Lakers. Yeah. And he's always gonna be reading passing lanes. He can switch on to anybody. And yeah, it was a big part of his MVP resume. I didn't think he was quite defensive player of the year. But his contributions on that end return to some of his all-defensive levels earlier in his career. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. He's second in defensive win shares, like I said, behind Conley. And the Lakers still have the best defensive rating by over a point. And LeBron's got the best of the team, fourth yeah. in the whole NBA. That's a culture thing. Um, yeah. I think you talked about Jimmy Butler. He's got a lot of good numbers. I don't know if he can win it over the other guys, but he's just as good. Yeah, he's just got, like, the best hands in the league. He's got probably the best pass perception, the best timing, the best feet. It's ridiculous. He, he's a, he's like Ed Reed in a running back's yeah. body. That's also 6'7". <laughs> it's it's yeah. pretty ridiculous. He's yeah, he's a commander, dude. He never gets it wrong, and he makes big plays all the time. And we'll see. It'll be in the forefront of everybody's eyes, in um in the postseason when the Heat are doing what they do, and Jimmy yeah. Butler is playing heat basketball, applying heat pressure on the other end. Yeah, I come back to this play all the time because the Sixers almost got the job done. They almost knocked off the Raptors the year the Raptors won the championship. They should have, man. Those the four play, The play before Kawhi hits the game winner, Jimmy Jimmy Butler gets the strip at the top of the key, goes coast to coast, drains the bucket for the go-ahead basket, and they're 10 seconds from a conference finals berth against yep, Milwaukee where they can knock that team off, potentially get to the finals, play the Warriors the whole nine. Um and that's just the essence of who Jimmy Butler is. Game on the line, offense or yeah. defense, he's going to make the play. He had only played like 40 minutes for 40 games for Philly like by the time that happened and he was the heart and soul of that team. He was a leader, right. he was taking the last shot. He was like you said making that play. When they lost, like my heart went out to him the most. Yeah. He is an absolute dog and he's still that good. And, uh, um, I, I, I have to let you shine a light on the most unsung defensive player in the league before we before we wrap. So, like I said with Shake Milton, we're starting the defensive six-man-of-the-year narrative. We are starting the Michael Carter-Williams is actually good at basketball narrative on this very pod. Michael Carter-Williams is still in the NBA. He plays for the Magic, and he leads the NBA in defended field goal percentage, meaning when players overqualified, so he's like not small sample size, he's defending 10 plus shots a night, I think, and the qualification is seven or eight. He leads the NBA 
nobody is shooting a worse percentage when defended than when they are defended by Michael Carter Williams. And nobody is shooting a worse percentage than usual. So I should have said this with Rudy Gobert. There's a stat called percent difference, which is a player's regular field goal percentage versus what they shoot against the defender. Rudy Gobert changes your percentage the most. Like he takes away 6.7% off your field goal percentage. Second is Michael Carter-Williams. Michael Carter-Williams is 12th in defensive rating, despite the Magic being 22nd as a team, which is even crazier than what Clint Capella was doing for the Hawks. It's a little bit different as a point guard. That's a 7.2 improvement, which among qualified players is the largest improvement of any single defender. Sheesh. That was a mouthful, and that was fucking Michael Carter-Williams. Give that man... (laughs) No man, I've, I don't know. I've can we at least can we think about him? Guilty. Can we think about him like at least like Chris Dunn, you know? Or he's maybe not right. Iguodala, hey, but on the awards pod, like he can help people, man. <laughs> yeah, you know he's got triple double sometimes. That's like spotlight. Like we care about Alfred Payton. Michael Carter Williams is way better than that. Right. Yeah, or at least on par. Yeah, I mean, he's got zero chance. To no, I'd love to see him go vote. to a real playoff team and, like, get but, minutes in the postseason. Yeah, like, if he was a buyout candidate, he like think of him like Pat Beverly, I guess. Pat Beverly doesn't bring you shit on offense. I don't think anybody thinks that he does except the occasional three. Right. Like, And the claps. Don't, don't he's, forget the he, clapping. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. Pat Bev trick, y'all. MCW's the real dog. <laughs> We need to, <laughs> and yeah, no, we didn't get the we didn't get to shout him out. We, we are about done here, but uh, Drew Holiday, Drew yeah, Holiday's been Drew Holiday has received Bucks. votes in the past. The Bucks are better than they've ever been, even if the record doesn't say that in the Giannis era. Yep. And same with Chris Paul, like he's brought the Phoenix defense to another level as well. You could put Chris Paul in all of these awards and just put him third Honestly, on yeah. the ballot. <laughs> and yeah, you, no, you could, he, you have he deserves love in everywhere. Coach of the year, executive of the year, because yep. he, he brings everybody up. Yeah, coach on the floor. Yep, I just watched that uh documentary, man, on uh, HBO Max, I believe, the day the sports stood still. Chris Paul, executive director, mm-hmm. man's doing everything, man. What can I say? If you haven't seen saying, that, go check man. it out. Get, get get him and Egot, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, are we ready to sign off or did a wrap? Yeah, no, this was good. This was good, man. Yeah, I think that was pretty comprehensive we talked about a ton damn near all 30 teams uh shout out to russell westbrook we didn't talk about y'all i think that's every team now yeah, yeah um, <laughs> this has been the btc pod i'm michael castello at hoops michael m-i-k-a-l and yep. daryl harris at d hoopster uh on all socials and yeah at ball considered ball things.com slash podcasts thank you so much for listening